Welcome to the Philocrosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. This in-season edition of the Philocrosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on custom timepieces that commemorate life's greatest achievements. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time. John was the goalie at Penn in 1988 that led his Quaker team to the Final Four. John is best known for being the goalie that was dunked on by Gary Gate in the Air Gate. Oxia makes beautiful Swiss-made self-winding watches whose design and quality match the essence of the memories they represent. AT and I can attest to the quality. We each have a Brown University Oxia watch and it's pretty much the nicest thing we own. One of Oxia's specialties is creating timepieces to celebrate storied team or championship victories. Check out the 2021 UVA National Championship watches. Check out the University of Georgia football team national championship watches or the Deerfield Lacrosse High School National Championship watch from 2021. New for this season, Oxia is creating All-American watches to celebrate the student-athletes that earned this incredible achievement. They have designed unique timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. If you want a custom watch to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments, Check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Really fired up to be back on the in-season podcast with co-host PLO Chaos, head coach, and world champion, Andrew Towers. Andy, how you doing, man? Still a pub average, Jamie. Um, doing great. How are you doing? You got to be pumped. I know we just talked about it a little bit, but big yep. win for the Sun Devils uh, this weekend. Wow. Huge win. Yeah. Sun Devils in OT at like number 15 Rutgers. Big win for them and a uh, big win, a big home game for me uh, with uh, Georgetown winning at Denver for the first time in the regular season yeah. at Denver. Uh, so, which is pretty awesome. Beautiful weekend. And uh, yeah. Good Huge man. weekend. So that's the first time Georgetown's beaten Denver at Denver in the regular season. In I think the regular they beat season. them a couple of years ago in the uh, Big East playoffs. Yeah, I remember that. And, and then Warren cried afterwards. And I was like, there's Kevin. He's crying. <laughs> and all I could think about was making fun of Kevin for crying because whenever, whenever he would see me when we were coaching college, to, well, I was coaching college across, you know five, six years ago, whatever it would be, every time I'd walk up, he'd go, what's the color of shit? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about you no. crying, Kevin. No, the best though is that uh, Coach Trini was like, act like you've been there before. And he's like, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So great. Uh, it is pretty good. Um, all right, AT. Um, let's, well, let's start off talking about what games you watched and then we can kind of weave it into who we think is the best, but obviously Maryland is the best team right now. And da, 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 da. from there, there's going to be a big, a big, a lot of discussions, but, uh, who did you watch this weekend? What, what, what stuck out to you? 
So I watched a lot of these games in tape review over the course of the rest of the weekend. James Towers um, had a game this weekend against Mamaronak. Uh, had two games, actually. Played the JV game, played well. Um, and then uh, dressed for the varsity game. Didn't get any minutes, but um, the New Canaan varsity team looks really connected. I was really impressed with them. So I didn't watch these college games until after the fact. Um, I watched uh, all of the Yale Penn game. I watched, uh, you know, some of the Syracuse Notre Dame game, Carolina, um, Duke, Georgetown, Denver, uh, Rutgers, Hopkins, um, Brown, Princeton. I watched. Um, I watched Jacksonville, High Point. Uh, you know, I, I I saw quite a lot of it. Wow, good. All right, let's um, well, let's talk a little bit about um about uh Penn Yale. I watched that one as well. I thought that was yeah. a pretty awesome game. Um, and I'm curious in your thoughts. It, yeah, I mean, it just it, it never disappoints. In fact, I think as these teams continue to play each other, I think the entire lacrosse world has extremely high expectations for the quality of this game. And these two teams just keep providing a game that exceeds everybody's wildest expectations. And Saturday's game was yet another chapter in their, uh, in their rivalry. I mean, this, this has really become the number one rivalry in the Ivy league over the last five years. I think that's fair to say. And even though two of those years were, were COVID, um, you know, you're looking at two teams that can really win the national championship along with, uh, I think Princeton could win the national championship. I got to say, uh, I was really high on Cornell a couple of weeks ago, um, after their subpar performance against Corn, uh, Penn two weeks ago and only holding on to a much better and drastically improved Dartmouth team, uh, eight, seven. I just, I just think that they've gotten a few injuries. I think Petrakis, their face-off guy, isn't as successful as he needs to be for this team to really uh, have a, a legitimate chance to win the national championship. In fact, I'll go on record right now, and I'm a Cornell fan, but I'm going to go on record right now in saying that I, I think that Syracuse coming off their beating at the hands of Notre Dame, I think they're going to rebound and beat Cornell because I think Cornell's beaten up, and I think Falp is going to beat up Cornell at the face-off X. And I'm concerned about Cornell's defense trying to hold down a Syracuse team that's going to have a tough few days of practice leading into uh, a game against an upstate rival with a really shitty taste in their mouth. And you know Gary and Petro are going to get those guys ready to go. Um, and I know that's an unbelievable digression. But I do think <laughs> these two teams are the best two teams in the conference. And I think that Princeton is, is the next team there. What did you think about that game, though? What did you what, what did you take from it? What do you like about how they play? Um, what did you think were the keys to the victory, or did you think it was kind of just like? You well, know? to me, I think that uh, Ramsey at the faceoff X, you know, won uh, that battle, and I think that he won critical faceoffs. I think, I think the Yale goalie looked good. Um, you know, I I just. I just feel like uh, you got two heavyweights, you know, I really do. But I, 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 the one thing about Penn that makes me feel not quite as confidently about them as I do 
Yale or or Georgetown or uh, you know I'm not I'm not sure Penn's faceoff group is good enough to win three tough games in the tournament to win the national championship. And I could be wrong, but I just feel like they've got a great offense. They got a great goalie. They got a good defense. They're good in transition. They're really well coached. Uh, but I just am concerned about them running into a team that beats them at the X and also has those respective things. And there's not a lot of those teams out there, but I do think there's six to eight of them. And obviously those are the teams that you're going to see in the quarters and beyond when we get to May and they're playing in the tournament. I was so impressed with just Yale's overall athleticism. I mean, in the midfield, they're just like guy after guy after guy that are fast and strong and smart, and young. making good decisions. I know they yeah. are there. I, I think Yale was actually kind of sloppy in that game with certain things. And if they clean that up, they're going to be very hard to beat. I mean, I think they could be a final four team. I, I, I honestly, like, I think Brandau is, is 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 the alpha dodger that can attack anybody from behind with a pole that opens things up. I love the way they run their offense and the way it flows and the way that they create space. Um, they got shooters. I mean, those guys shoot the shit out of the ball, man. They, they do, just, you know, and I agree. I, Brando to me is a first time first team All-American. Um, he's one of nine know, or ten first team All-Americans. Yeah, he's one of he's one of nine or ten uh, first team All-Americans. Um, but he really is. He has stepped up and played huge at the biggest moments against a really tough schedule. And I agree with you there. Uh, Leo Johnson is also, and I know we spoke about him last podcast, but he, uh, you know, took a uh, essentially an all-American defenseman to the rack twice for goals. And he had a few other really good shots. And he also had some great passes that just didn't get finished, you know, but he went, I think, two and oh in the game and, and could have easily been four and two. Yeah. And I think as the year continues to unfold, if they can get another dodge and score presence that you have to slide to when he's attacking a pole on the perimeter to go with Matt Brandau and all the offensive midfield firepower that you just addressed. And this is a young team, Jamie. I mean, this is, this is a this is a team that is just has reloaded and we just don't know a lot of the names because they haven't played in two seasons. But I'm with you 100 percent. I mean, this yeah. is a team that and they do. They just get better and better and better under under Shea, under Andy Shea. And, and, and listen, Penn does as well under Mike Murphy. Yep. Um, you know, this league top to bottom is the toughest it's ever been. Yeah, it is. And, 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 um, and Hanley is such a beast. He's such a good passer and a good dodger. And I kind of feel like, too, like he didn't shoot that great in that game. I and mean, I feel like, you know, if he sticks a couple more shots, you know, all of a sudden Penn wins. I mean, it was that. I have 100%. I mean, Ham Hamley is without a doubt the best midfielder in the country. Uh, you know, and might be the best overall offensive player. He might be. In the country. You know, he, he started slow statistically. I think he was had him down at attack. I like him up at the midfield. I did you know, too. understand the premise of, of – wanting him on the field for every single possession. But like you said, he's just, he's so long. He's got such a bomb with both hands on the run. And he's such a great passer with both hands on the run. You know, he, he really is just like, you know, six to eight to 10 points waiting to happen at any time. And uh, you know, he, he, he puts a battery on all of their shoulders, not to mention they just have so many pieces, so many guys that seem like they can just score five goals for Penn. Uh, you know, but, but Yale, 
finds a way to, to get these wins when they need it against this Penn team, or at least has lately. Yeah. I think we're going to see these team, two teams play potentially two more times this season. And, and frankly, I, I hope we see that because these are two of the very best teams out there. Totally. We'll talk a little bit about the um, Georgetown at Denver game. That game, yeah. uh, that game started out close. Denver, Denver was very sharp early. Denver was winning faceoffs early. Denver was finding open guys inside. Georgetown might have been showing a little bit more than they needed to in the beginning, and then they sort of uh, cleaned that up. I think they were down four to two at one point, and then you know fast forward a couple quarters, and the score was thirteen to five. Um, Georgetown's defense, midfield, attack, uh, Dylan Watson, maybe the most underrated player in the country, had seven. I mean, the guy scores scores goals. Is he's, you know, it's like all he does is score goals, and 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 he doesn't really get looked at as one of the great shooters. But he's a lot like a Mac O'Keefe, the way he shoots the ball, the way he gets open, his quick release. He doesn't quite have that exact range, but man, is he an unbelievably deceptive shooter who can just fill it up and some guys can just do that you know yeah he kind of reminds he he reminds me a little more of 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 kluch than he does mac o'keefe because you know mac look there's nobody that shoots on the planet like him with the exception of ryan brown you know guys that can can essentially overpower goalies uh, with low to high shots the placements off the charts you know with range and i i feel like uh has range as well, but I just feel like I feel like he gets it off so quickly and and can get it in so many different situations. Um, and Mac can as well. Yeah. It's just you know Mac Mac does those same exact things, but he also has that range. I'm not sure that Dylan Watson has that. Dylan range. doesn't quite have the range, but the thing is, Kluch is a is a really physical dodging presence, and that's not really uh, Dylan's game. He's more of an off ball guy. But I just mean I just mean as a catch and shoot. Type of yeah, player. Catch and shoot. yeah, he's got so a similar. He's got, that, he's got the low to high sling. He does, that, man. You know, is Brian Langtree s? It looks yeah. like the, the shaft is almost a rope. You know, with the way that they drop it and sling it, it's just it's really fun to watch. But I think that certainly any team that has Bill Tierney and, and Matt Brown coaching them are going to be well prepared to play. And I think they did; they were well prepared to play. But Georgetown, along with Maryland might be the most complete team, you know, back to front out there. They've got it at every position and they, they did it without McElroy playing, right? He didn't play this game again. He did not. And what's his, status? what's his status? He's sick or is he hurt? Uh, he is hurt. He had uh, um, some kind of infection that he had to get taken care of. And I think he's going to be good to go. But Michael Scharfenberg stepped up. I think he had 13 saves. Yeah, first the first four goals that went in, you know, had to have been a little disconcerting for him because that never feels good. Um, but they weren't shots you probably should have had. Um, they're not shots that you would have been like, oh, Owen would have had those. I mean, maybe, but but at the end of the day, he he stepped up and 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 stood up to 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 and and by the way, in the clearing game, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was like, there was a couple times where he like caught a ball and it was out of his stick for a break, like immediately. I mean, the kid looked like he'd been playing for a while. So yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously a huge part of the position. James Riley, you have to applaud the work that he does. You know, he's going against a great competitor in Stathakis and 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 got the better of him statistically. And you know, we talked about it last week. This Georgetown team just does not have 
a weakness. They don't. They've got offensive depth. They're, they've got you know, a lot of experience up front. They've got big-time stoppers in the back. They've got an incredible rope unit. They've got the best goalie in the country when he's in the goal, and when he's not, they got another guy that plays really well. Um, you know, and, and this is a team that, again, I, I think if I had to pick a team out there that would be the scariest team for Maryland to play, it's this Georgetown team, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, I was asking, um, I was asking JR about, about the matchup and adjustments and stuff. And he was like, Hey, look, it was mostly that we just had fresh wings every single time they got, you know, they got two poles that can jump on and they got like a lot of shorts to jump on the wings. And then by the end, they were just faster to the ground balls, um, you know, which is like, that adds up. I hadn't really thought about that much. How much have you thought about that as far as having just like uh, be able to tune your wings to be able to like stay on people that don't have that same kind of depth? Well, it's, they're critical. You know, they really are critical. I, I always have been an advocate of uh, getting the ball yourself if you're a face-off guy and, and one of the benefits of putting two poles up on the wings is that it's just easier to keep guys out and make it a one-on-one -on -one battle. But if they also have speed and they're able to get it up off the ground, um, you know, and able to, to make the right decisions in transition on offense when they get the ball, you're really looking at a dynamic unit. And I think that uh, Georgetown checks every box in that respect. All right, let's turn the page. What are your thoughts? Uh, did you you didn't mention this, uh, but what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you didn't mention that you'd watched the Richmond Virginia game, or not? But yeah, no, I watched it. Did you watch I some did of watch it? it? Yeah. You know, I, I think that we spoke a little bit about Virginia being a little top heavy. I thought with Matt Moore and Schellenberger, uh, and while Xander Dixon has had a great year, arguably a first team All American midfield caliber year. Um, you know, when Matt Moore goes down, their offense changes significantly. And then when Petey LaSalle goes down, he was nine for 10 in the first half. Virginia, I think, was up nine, five, something like that. Petey LaSalle goes down. You lose Matt Moore, you lose Petey LaSalle. You sort of lose the, the, the grit for your team. And Petey LaSalle, you lose uh, number two behind Schellenberger matchup that – He's going to destroy sort of any number two defenseman in the country. You lose that. And then, as Dom pointed out, doing the color of the game, you know, when they bump Xander Dixon down, yeah, that's that eases the pain a little bit of Matt Moore going out. But now your midfield changes as well. And everybody gets bumped up in terms of the matchups. And, and you just lose a lot of the chemistry. And it just seemed like Virginia got – cold and distant and weird after those injuries and Richmond just became empowered and you got to hand it to them. I mean, they've been close to beating that team a few times over the last few years. Um, but to get over the hump, the way that they did coming back from a four goal deficit and beating them decisively and finishing the game uh, had to be unbelievably satisfying for Coach Shamati and his staff and the players. Um, and it it exposes Virginia um, in a big way. And, and Virginia's going to have to, they're going to have to make some improvements and they're going to have to make some changes. And, and let's hope that Matt Moore and LaSala are both back from injuries very, very soon. But it does go to show you that even on the deepest rosters, injuries to the wrong people 
can have a profound effect. And I think they did in a negative way against Virginia this weekend. No doubt. And, and um, make no mistake, Richmond is good. They play good defense. They can score goals. They are well coached. They are athletic. They are, they are, they're a little under the radar on the SOCON just because Jacksonville's done so well. And, and high point is so uh, electric with um, Asher Nolting and the way they can put up goals. Uh, but Richmond, I mean, that this has got to be the best the SoCon's ever been. I mean, this is three teams that are like easily top 20 teams, um, and if not, perhaps better. Um, I, and just for the last point on the Richmond thing is I've watched Richmond and Georgetown battle uh, in the snow <laughs> uh, about three weeks ago, and it was a dogfight. I mean, Georgetown kind of jumped on them, and then they came right back and made it a one or two goal game. And, and um, honestly, I mean, Richmond is for real. No question about it. I mean, there's no question about it. The SOCON is for real, you know, um, and, they, and they have been, you know, they got three of the best coaches in the country at High Point and Torp and Jacksonville and Galloway and certainly at Richmond and Dan Shamati. And you get great coaches that make in-game adjustments with with a lot of players that are really good players. And it's not surprising that these teams that have traditionally gotten kicked around by the ACC schools, which is pretty much everybody, uh, they're, they're really catching that conference. And, you, and as good as the ACC conference is, you know, this, is, this has been the weakest year in memory. And ironically, the last few years, you know, they've had an increasing amount of grad students come into their programs. And I, I'm not positive it's helping these teams. Uh, you know, I, I, I think in a sport where the challenge as coaches is to get everybody connected in all facets of the game, I'm not sure that all this introduction of, even though they're great players, grad students, is, is helping these teams as much as you would think the addition of proven high quality players would be. I think it hurts the cohesion in a lot of instances and it's not on the coaches and it's not on the, the grad students. I think it's just a dynamic that is really, I think unnecessary more so than anything else. I, I think there's already a lot of talent at these schools and introduction, introducing new parts I, I just feel like they're prioritizing that maybe more than they should. And I wonder how long this trend continues. Yeah. It's interesting because I mean, obviously Maryland's got a ton of them and they're, they're killing it. Um, and on the other hand, um, you know, maybe they're a little bit more choosy with who they bring in and for, and, and for what reasons, I mean, Georgetown needed, you know, wanted a lefty slasher midi. They wanted a righty attackman that could go to the rack. And of course they'll just take Will Bowen. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll never hurt you. Um, you know, uh, is it harder to bring in, you know, uh, a guy like, I don't know, Mikey Sowers, who was like the guy, now this is, that was last year and he's a great player uh, and, and Duke did well, but um, is that, you know, easier or harder to bring in a brand new guy who's the Tuarton level guy into your program versus bringing in parts that are going to make your team better because you, you kind of need them, you know? Yeah. I, I would, I would say you bring it in parts because you need them is the route to go, but how do you say no 
to a guy like Mikey Sowers. And Mikey Sowers is obviously as, as humble and as understated and as unselfish of a player as, as you're going to find. Yet Duke never looked comfortable when he was there. And I just, I, I, I don't have the answer. You know, I don't have the answer. What I do think. You definitely don't have the answer to how do you say no? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I, I think you have to say yes. If, if for no other reason, then you don't have to worry about him playing for your opponent. You know, <laughs> nothing else. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but, but Andy, saying no has really never been a strong suit of yours. Well, I think that goes both ways, Jamie. I think anybody that's known us both would say that that is probably <laughs> something that we both struggle with. I usually don't say I'm not very good at it either, to be honest. No, no. Well, listen, it's everybody has their area of opportunities <laughs> for improvement. And um, you know, Hey, what do you think about the Patriot League? You know, I, I think that I keep waiting for BU to lose, and they just keep getting it done. You know, uh, I still have not closed the door on Loyola. Oh, they got Yale next. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a good game. And, and this is a game that – this is the type of game that Yale loses. You know, whether it was Villanova a couple of times, whether it was Bucknell a couple of times, you know, now they got a really hot BU team coming in. You know, this – is and, and Connor Calderon facing off for BU is – is going to be a guy that could come and could dominate Yale at the X. And they've got some scary offensive weapons and they got a great goalie. And, uh, you know, the pressure is all on Yale. And, uh, you know, this, this, it wouldn't surprise me to see BU win this game. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that they've proven that they are right now the class of the Patriot League. I still don't close the door on Army or Lehigh uh, or even Bucknell finding a way to win the Patriot League tournament. Yep. I think Navy is down. I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. Um, but I, Army. like always, I think Army could win it. They could. I, and I, I, again, I think Army, Loyola, BU, Bucknell, to me, I, I feel like those are. Those are the best Patriot League teams. Um, certainly, BU is having the best regular season, but I, I still think a dark horse is Loyola. You know, the coaches are great coaches. They just always seem to eventually figure it out, even though it might take them the ninth inning to figure it out. When they do, they go on these runs. And let's face it, they were, you know, one goal away from beating Duke and going to the Final Four last year. Yeah. At about the same time last year, we looked at Loyola and we're like, these guys are dead. Yeah. And they, you know, Lehigh gets COVID and they get shut down. So Loyola gets the uh, AQ and, and then they go and they go to work once they get to the tournament. And so, um, you know, it seems like the Patriot League is doing what the Patriot League always does. So BU's got Yale, Princeton, Loyola, Lehigh Army in their next five. Yeah, that'll change the taste in your mouth. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, I, I look at this and I could see them beating Yale. You know, you got to travel to Princeton and Princeton is playing loose. They look real good. They look great against Brown. Um, but I, I, I think BU is, is absolutely worthy of 13. I mean, eight and one, I, that's a, it's a serious team. Um, all right. So let's talk about, you said you watched the, um, 
The Brown Princeton game. Give me uh, your yeah. thoughts on that. I didn't see it, but I wanted to watch that one. You know, Brown did a good job in the first half. They 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 competed. I mean, they they were throwing punches, but I just think in the end, uh, you know, Princeton has such great balance in their offense. You know, and 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 their goalie is so good, and their faceoff guy is good. Even though he struggled, I thought that the Brown faceoff guy has been great all season long. He really has done a great job. I just feel like Princeton has too many weapons and, and, and too much depth. I do know that Brown was missing uh, arguably their best defenseman, um, but that's not an excuse. I mean, the, what was the final? 17 to nine, I think. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. I, I, it, it unfortunately, I think, uh, is a tough way for Brown to lose, you know, at home against a team that, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like had more pressure on it in this game coming in. It, it, it sort of set up, I think, well for Brown. And, but I do think it exposes that Princeton just has too much depth for them. And Brown is, Brown's in a tough spot, man. I mean, they've, yeah, they've lost to Harvard and Princeton. And they still got Penn, Cornell, Yale, and then they got Dartmouth. And Dartmouth is playing much better. They got a great goalie. They're winning faceoffs. Um, you know, Brown Brown's gonna, Brown's going to need to get some wins versus uh, really difficult opponents, really good teams yeah. that are playing really well. And I think their greatest chance to do that is is Cornell. I think they're going to struggle against Yale, and I think they're going to struggle against. Penn, but I think they got a shot against Cornell and certainly hey, I would consider them favorites against Dartmouth, but Dartmouth is, is better than they've been. What are your thoughts about Harvard? Harvard, you know, cruising along, they're like 10th or 11th or 12th probably this week. Yeah, I Wins think over, I, uh, they lost Ohio State, they beat Fairfield, they beat Michigan, they beat Brown, they beat Boston U, they beat Dartmouth, they beat Colgate by a goal. Yeah. They got, a, they got a run coming up with Cornell, Penn, Princeton, Yale. So we're going to find I, out. I think that we find out now yeah. who they are. You know, yeah. I, obviously they have a great win over BU. The win over Michigan is, is slowly losing some juice um, as Michigan struggles a little bit here as their schedule intensifies and gets tougher. I, I don't think Harvard is, has beaten really anybody other than BU yeah. that we look at and say, okay, this is who they are. But they got the four best teams in the Ivy League coming on four successive weeks. You know, they can go 0 and 4 very easily. Um, I think they need to go 2 and 2. And if I'm going to look at these games, I, I'm going to say their best chance to win is probably Cornell and, uh, and Princeton because they play them at home. Uh, but I think Harvard is much improved. You know, they, they're like fifth in the country and cause turnovers, one spot behind Notre Dame. I think we're starting to see Jerry Byrne really put his persona into this program. And I think that Harvard's only going to get better and better as Jerry continues to be there and, and, and shore up uh, this team in areas where they can get better. Um, if they win faceoffs, they, they can compete. And, uh, and their faceoff group seems to be doing pretty well. Let's talk a little bit about the ACC. Um, who's the second best team in the ACC? 
Well, you got to say it's Virginia. Carolina. I, I think you have to say it's Virginia's Virginia. the best team in the ACC, right? Well, oh, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So Virginia would be number one. The Who's second, number two? Is it North Carolina? Is it well, possibly Notre Dame? Could Notre Dame actually be? I mean, Notre Dame, I mean, obviously uh, Duke bounced back after a, a little skid and, and yeah. really ha- handled Carolina at home on like a, on alumni weekend. Um, basketball, they took care of business, but not on lacrosse. So what's your take on that? Who's, who's the second I, best? I, I just think, I don't think Carolina is much different than Duke. Notre Dame, Syracuse. Yeah, I, I would say that there is no clear second place team. Each of them have had a great performance and then seemingly followed by a poor performance. And it's like right when you think they suck, they win. And, and right when they have a, you know, an impressive victory, then they seemingly get complacent and play like shit the next week. And so I, I don't really know. You know, I look, go through these teams and I look at Carolina having some inexperience on the back line. Their goalie is very good. I think their faceoff guys are good. Um, you know, and certainly Chris Gray is a, a first-team All-American, more than worry, worthy toward time candidate. But I do feel like they rely on him too much to make plays, so to speak. And, and, and he's made them. Um, and they've won some games. Um, but I just feel like they rely on him a little too much offensively. Um, but I think they'll figure it out as the season progresses here. You know, you look at Duke and it's like, all right, who is Duke? Like I watched them play against Syracuse and it didn't look like they have any idea what they want. You know, it looks like they throw the ball around and then they give it to Brendan O'Neill and he sweeps top side and takes a 15 yard shot on the run. And if it goes in, everybody's like, Hey, great offense. You know, and if it does it, it's like, what's wrong with Duke? And, you know, it went in seven times against Carolina and they won. Um, you know, I was really surprised by the way that game played out. I know yeah. Adler played a great game for them, for Duke in the goal. Uh, but I, I think the same thing can be said about Notre Dame and Syracuse. That's been said about Duke and North Carolina, right? I mean, Notre Dame has not looked good this year and they pounded Syracuse. They did. 22 to six. And, and, you know, it certainly appears like Syracuse just stopped playing. Uh but Syracuse beat Duke up pretty good in the dome last weekend. So I don't know if we can say there's a second team. I mean, are yeah, we looking at a scenario here, Jamie, where <laughs> we're only one ACC team goes? Is, is, is that a possibility? I don't know. I, I, I think probably not. I mean, I think if you look at Carolina, you say, well, they're, you know, they're, they're, they may not be, have the kind of wins they've had in the past, but that Richmond win now adds up. The Denver win. I mean, Denver's beaten some good teams. I mean, they're they're that's a that's a good win. I mean, how good the, the high point win might add up. Um, and then they've got some win, some stuff coming down the down the stretch with the ACC. And you look at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame hasn't played very many teams. You know, they're only three and four. They've played they've you know Duke's like nine and four. Um, so you know they've got losses to Georgetown, Maryland, Ohio State, and Virginia. Um, and at times they really haven't looked good. At other times they have looked pretty good. I think they are good. I think if they had played a schedule that included a bunch of the, you know, if I think if they had played Richmond and Denver and some of these schools, I think they would have won some of those games too. I mean, I think they're good. They can score. Yeah, I, I think if they had played Harvard's schedule, I think yeah. that instead of three and four, they'd probably be seven, one or six and two. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I they've played a tough schedule. I mean, yeah. Virginia and Maryland and Georgetown are three really tough 
games. I think they wish that they would have that Ohio State game back. Um, yeah. You know, but this win over Syracuse, I think, is good. And, you know, like the Ivy League, we're going to find out more about these, these four ACC teams. Um, but depending upon the injuries to LaSalle and Matt Moore, it wouldn't surprise me to see one of those four teams or two beat Virginia. That wouldn't surprise me at no, all. No, not at all. Um, and, and, and obviously, if you go out and get a win over Virginia, you know, I don't think losing an ACC game is ever a bad loss. I, I don't think it's ever a bad loss. And so these teams really have opportunities for great wins. And I don't think the perception of losing ACC games are bad losses. And so I feel like these teams can only sort of take control of their season, but it does make you wonder um, because there is no clear cut number two team in the ACC. I think we could all argue for and against each team in the number two spot, as well as we could for the number five spot. I'll tell you what, AT, this game that you referenced it earlier, Cornell at Syracuse is big for the ACC. And it's big for Cornell. It's huge really, for Cornell and it's huge for the ACC. I mean, if, if the ACC can get, get that out of conference, when they don't have a whole lot of games like that left, that's the problem. No, they don't. They, they really don't. Interesting. Well, I don't know what Notre Dame did, but they, I think they switched a few things up. Um, did you hear about that? I think they like they, they, they changed up their lines a little bit, and, and they just went off. I mean, what was the score? It was like 13-2 to two at one point? Yeah. I mean – it's just unbelievable. Did Syracuse stop playing? Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I just couldn't believe it. It was like every time I pushed for fresh, like eight minutes apart, it was like another three goals, another four goals. And it was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this is happening the way that it's happening. It just makes you feel like they just sort of said, they just stopped playing, you know, which would be shocking considering, you know, Petro and Gary are the coaches. I, 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 you know, that would not be something that those guys would sign off on. No. Uh, but it's just one loss, right? And we know they have the capabilities of beating anyone, Syracuse does. But they also have the ability to lose to some teams that we all think they should beat. But I don't think Notre Dame is one of those teams that they should beat. Coming into the season, I would have said that Notre Dame would beat Syracuse. And I agree with you. I think Notre Dame's a good team. I just think they've played – I think they played the top three teams in the country, arguably, in Maryland, Virginia, and Georgetown. Yeah. And that speaks to three of their four losses. And, and, you know, and Ohio State is also very good. And that's, you know, not a, not a game that uh, – that's not a, it's not a shameful loss by any means. Ohio State's a very good team. And I think that speaks to their record being what it is. But we'll see where they are after three more weeks. Totally. Um, all right, I want to uh, switch gears for a sec here. And um, we're back on board with John Canaris in Oxia time. And AT, we now get, have the privilege of doing a National Player of the Week. The Oxia time National Player of the Week, they're doing some really cool watches uh, for all Americans um, this year. And they've got some other really cool stuff coming down the pike that hasn't been uh, announced yet. But Let's let's kick that off with uh, your opinion on the OxyTime Player of the Week. All right. Well, uh, second runner-up would be Brendan O'Neill with seven goals against Carolina. Very impressive. Second runner-up 
would be Jake Taylor. Uh, he's Jake my Taylor, one. You just Jesuit. Slick. He was committed to DU. Decommitted to go to Notre Dame. Has Ooh, that. on the field. And everybody thought he was going to be like the classic Notre Dame inside guy because he actually is a phenomenal catch and shoot and in, in, in particular finish guy. Yeah. He, he's, he's my runner up. Um, and, and the reason that those guys are runners up, even though they performed in great games, I would consider both of those games sort of 50, 50 games in Duke Carolina for O'Neill and Syracuse, Notre Dame. Um, but the, my, my, my national player of the week has got to be uh, Dalton Young from Richmond. I think he went four and three this week. I'm not positive what his numbers were, but I'm pretty sure he went four and three. And for them to do it over a team that was clearly the number two team in the country in a lot of people's opinions, including mine, for him to step up and be such a force offensively in a uh, in a in an upset win over a really really good Virginia team, Dalton Young is my axia time national player of the week. Awesome. Who's yours? I'm going to go with my boy D Watt, Dylan Watson, seven right. goals. Yep. Shot, shot the shit out of it. Played hard. Got a couple riding goals. Love those. A um, couple riding empty netters. Those always go over well. It feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> It feels so good when you know there's going to be an empty net goal and everybody knows it's going to be an empty net goal. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's actually quite depressing for one, for half of you. <laughs> exhilarating for the other half. Yeah. Um, all right. Last, uh, last little piece. Let's go through this uh, calendar this week and see what yeah. we got. Um, BU, Yale, you, you already called it. I, I, I'm going with BU in that game. It just is an upset. I wouldn't be surprised that Yale would be a, you know, like a, like a three to four goal favorite, but it wouldn't surprise me to see BU come in um, and beat Yale. They're playing at home. They're having a great season. Yale comes off, off a huge win versus Penn. And even though BU's record's great and Andy Shea's going to be talking about, you know, don't make this a trap game. we got to respect this team. I just think the perception is that BU is not on the same level as Penn. And that might be accurate, but I just think it's a scary team at a scary time. And they got a great face-off guy. And that's always a concern. All right. Let's take a look at the weekend. Um, any, uh, oh, how about Jacksonville, Richmond? It's going to be a huge game. I, I'm going to take Richmond in that game. I just think that um, I feel like the pressure's on Jacksonville after a great one goal win against high point. They've, Obviously, have had some huge wins against Duke and Denver, and uh, you know, but I, I just think that Rich they haven't beaten Richmond before, and I just think that Richmond coming off this win versus Virginia, I, I don't think they're up for due for a letdown. I, I think that they're just finding their uh, their stride right now. So I like Richmond in that game. Ohio State, Hopkins. I like Ohio State to blow them out. I mean, I don't think Hopkins. Hopkins just does not look scary anymore. You know, it, it seems like forever ago that Hopkins had an offensive player that they could give the ball to that could break anybody down off the dodge. 
and I just there's nobody scares you on the offensive end and and I know there have been some players that you know we haven't really heard of that have stepped up in the last few weeks but you know what's going on with Epstein he's not playing anymore like they they keep Joey Epstein out of the game and I don't go to their practices I don't know but you know isn't he their senior captain and he's not playing he's their three-time captain yeah I just I don't know I mean obviously there's there's some uh disagreements on on what's going on between the staff and and him it seems like otherwise you know isn't he the first one that, that that's going to be on the field I don't know I'm, I'm a little surprised by this but Ohio State I think um yeah I got Ohio State comfortably winning that game um thoughts on Princeton BU I think that if BU wins on Wednesday I think that I think that Princeton's going to take care of them. I think that Princeton is, uh, you know, I think Princeton's very good. I think they're absolutely legit. And I think Yale's legit too. I just think Yale's due for a letdown in that situation. So I like Princeton to beat BU if BU loses. But if BU wins, I'm sorry, if BU wins, I think Princeton wins. If BU loses to Yale, I could see Princeton looking past BU. Uh, so I, I, I got BU going one-on-one this week. Penn Brown. I think that Penn has too much for Brown. Um, as I've said before, you know, I think Brown's defense is going to struggle mightily with Penn, but Brown needs to win about 70% of the face-offs. They need to uh, get long possessions and they need to put their shots away. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they're going to stop Penn when Brown's on defense. They're, they're going to struggle with Penn's offense. No question about it. How about this matchup? Villanova? Denver. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Denver has to travel to Villanova is a great thing for Villanova and Villanova, you know, they've also benefited from some grad year guys and they are slowly putting together, quietly putting together uh, a very good resume. I, I got Villanova to win that game. All right. So Duke, Duke, Notre Dame, it's, 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 it's a must win for Notre Dame. What you say? I think so. Um, you know, I just, I think that NASO is going to win the face-offs for Duke. Yeah. You know, who, who handles winning better here? I, I feel like Notre Dame will handle winning better. Um, but I don't know. I mean, is, is the pressure on Notre Dame having blown out Syracuse and Syracuse just beaten Duke a week ago? It, it might be. Although Duke's playing at home, so Notre Dame's got to travel. You know, this this is I I feel like this is a must win for both teams, Jamie. Not just yeah. Notre Dame. I, I think both teams. It's it's a must win. Um, rematch: Virginia, Carolina. You know, if LaSalle is out, even if Matt Moore returns, if LaSalle is out and Carolina is able to win sixty plus at the X, I don't think that. Virginia's defense is, is that impressive. Nunez has had a great season. Yep. Um, but I, I can see Carolina bouncing back in a big way and winning this game. Um, if LaSalle plays, he, he usually causes North Carolina some problems. Um, so I don't know the extent of their injuries. If both LaSalle and Matt Moore out, I absolutely have the heels. Um, but I think I have the heels, uh, you know, Regardless, if, if, if LaSalle does not play, I, I've got Carolina all the way in that game. This Cornell-Harvard matchup, 
is going to tell us a lot about the Ivy League, too. It's going to tell us a lot about Harvard. Um, it is. You know, I, I think the fact that it's up at Cornell, Harvard gets off the bus down three zip. That trip sucks. Um, and, and it's tough to play up at Sholkoff. And this is, a, this is a game where Harvard, I think, has to question who they are a little bit. I think that they're hoping that they are uh, legitimate and they very well might be. Um, but until they have a win, and even though BU might be that win, that the, the, the tendency is to look at that team and say, oh, they're a new team. BU is just not on, the, not on the same level as some of these traditional powerhouse teams. But BU is playing really well. They're eight and one. You know, if BU beats Yale on Tuesday, does that give Harvard some more confidence going to this game? Cornell's beaten up. And, and you know, Cornell, as we said before, if they win faceoffs, they're, they're a tough team to deal with because offensively they're dynamic and they have an appreciation for making the extra pass. You know, they don't take a lot of bad shots. They got a great goalie. Uh, they got a great shutdown defenseman in, in Adler. I, you know, I just, I think faceoffs are critical in this game. And if Harvard can win faceoffs, I, I, I think they could win. But, but if I had to bet, my money would be on Cornell in this game. Harvard is pretty slick offensively. They and they well, got made athletes in the midfield too, man. Jerry, Jerry's made them a lot better. There's, there's no question no that they are so much better defense. So much better. Yeah, they are. They were just... You just knew they weren't going to be that good. And now you have the feeling that they are going to be. Well, you fit, you always felt like they weren't very tough. You know, you always felt like talent was never a problem with Harvard. It's never been a problem. They've always had talent. It's what kind of resiliency do they have as a group when they need it? Yeah. You know, when, when they have to dig down, it's always been a team that seems like it's rolled over. You know, and, and, and Jerry Byrne is not going to allow a team that he coaches to roll over ever. <laughs> He's just not going to allow it. And, and I just see Harvard only getting better and better and better and better. Are they good enough right now to go beat Cornell at Cornell? Uh, you know, for Jerry's sake, I hope they are. But, but I, I have to see it a few times before I would take Harvard um, you know, in a game like this, it may be two years from now, we're saying Harvard in a, in a wash, but right now I, I think that Cornell has to be very, very concerned about Harvard. Um, but Cornell has Syracuse first, right? They got Syracuse Tuesday and then Harvard on Saturday. So is that right? I, I think it's next week. Well, that's the following week. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the following week. Actually. You're right. You're right. Long bus rides, AT. They were a little bit better in the 80s when you could have beers on the bus. Well, nothing was better than beating UMass up at UMass and having Dom pull off and buy eight cases for the team. <laughs> Everybody seemed to handle it pretty well, except our friend. <laughs> the bum. And we'll just leave it there. The bum. Except the, the bum. The bum didn't handle it so well. The bum, the bum might have gotten left at Loyola once. The bum, the bum did get left at Loyola, but. Listen, the bum knew that there was a few extra beers floating in the bottle of the bucket and the bum loaded up eight of them and put them in his shirt and <laughs> made his way to the bus. And Dom said, we're ready to go. And we took off and there was the bum with eight beers in his shirt in a sport coat. That was Joel Wallenstrom's. That was way too big for him. 
the ride to those games wasn't nearly as fun as the ride home. So the ride to was more like, you know, just r- ripping nostril hairs out of your nose. Yeah, it was, it was that. It was a ratty turkey and a ratty ham shirt sandwich, um, some chips. Um, you know, there, there was the ride to was, there was, a, there was an element of focus that was, yeah, that rese- resembled a very good team. Yep. The ride back. Ride two was also like, you know, you we had a lot of good wins, though. A lot of good road wins. Um, you know, but that, that road win back after UMass beating them in the playoffs, that was, uh, that was quite a show. <laughs> um, all right. Sunday, April 10th, we've got Maryland Rutgers. That's going to be a fun one to watch. Do you think Rutgers yeah. can give them a game? I absolutely do. There's, there's no question. This is a team that's very well connected as well. You know, I think Maryland can lose, right? Maryland, if they lose faceoffs, they can lose. But you're not going to beat Maryland if Maryland's going 50-50 at the X with you. You know, or if Maryland wins the majority at the X, they're just you're just not going to beat them. They're too they're too disciplined in their decision making and in their shooting and in their passing. They just know exactly who they are. But Rutgers is. Uh, they're believers, you know, they are, and they've got a lot of momentum and Rutgers has no doubt that they can, they can win this game, you know, whether they will or not, it's going to be a great game to watch. I'm not so positive that a loss to Rutgers here for Maryland wouldn't be a great thing for this Maryland team as it looks to, you know, win the national championship. And uh, I think Rutgers, you know, is obviously, capable of, of beating anybody. I, I would consider them one of these sort of, you know, six, seven teams outside of Maryland that could beat Maryland. Um, so we'll see what happens, you know, and then the Lehigh Bucknell, I think will also be a good game. I mean, Lehigh has the advantage at the X with Sisselberger, um, but Bucknell is, there's quietly putting together a tough they season. Are. They were up, they were up on army. They had a great chance to beat army and they just didn't finish it off. Um, so I think the, the Lehigh-Bucknell game is also going to be very good. Great game. Yep. Awesome. Well, AT, uh, it was fun. Great to see you. Great to talk lacrosse with you. Um, and um, have a great week. We'll catch you next time. You have a great week. We'll check in. See you, buddy. All right, later.